Is it something in my brain? I need whiskey to ease the pain But it's early in the morning And I'm feeling bad again But if you ever love me You'll go easy on me now Fix me up a cup of coffee And in a while I'll come around Fix me up a coffee indeed. What's happening, folks? It is early on Saturday morning, Wild Card Week. This is Pete Davidson here with the Rotobomb Podcast. Hope I'm finding all of you folks well. Um, just going to do a quick little, um, just a quick little rundown on the four-game slate. I'm definitely liking the Sunday games more than the Saturday games. I'm pretty sure that's not an original take. Um, but uh, what we're going to do now is we're just going to go through this thing. I just want to let you guys know uh, on the off chance uh, that you still are uh, in the process of making lineups and such, uh, where you know I've sort of come down on this whole thing. Um, this is sort of a challenging slate just in terms of there are more good plays than I can fit into a lineup. And... You know, I'd love to just be like, oh, great, this is perfect. You know, like nine plays I like, lock them in. Um, but there's some really good matchups on the receivers this week. I've got about eight receivers that I really want to play. And, and I mean, I'm not limited to eight by any stretch of the imagination. There's probably another, you know, four or five or six guys I'd like to get some exposure to. The problem is, um, and I'll just sort of run them down, and, and, you know, we've been talking all week about how strong the matchups are for some of these receivers. Um, you know, the, the team's going against Philadelphia, the team's going against Minnesota uh, and uh, Houston. So we're talking about the Bills, we're talking about the Saints, we're talking about uh, Seattle's receivers. So for me, like John Brown and Cole Beasley, I want as much exposure as I can get. Uh, Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith, I want as much exposure as I can get. Um, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, David Moore, 3,400 units. I want exposure to these guys as much as I can get. So the challenge is, obviously, we've got three wide receiver spots and one flex spot. We can only get half of them in to any given lineup. And again, there are other receivers I'm interested in playing. So this is a challenging week. Uh, for me, the the running backs are not wonderful. Although I think, you know, there's a, enough stuff that I like where I'm not worried about like sticking in guys I don't like. But you know, we don't have any running backs that are just in you know smash spots. Like we like Derrick Henry, but the the Patriots present um, certainly enough of a challenge where we're not feeling great about Derrick Henry. Um, you know, so you know the the running backs are definitely you know, a challenge to sort of find the right combination. I like Singletary a lot. Um, I, you can make an argument for Carlos Hyde, but, you know, I just don't like him within the scoring format unless he scores multiple touchdowns. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be real excited about having, you know, rostered him. Henry is obviously in play with the running backs. I think the Patriot running backs really as just cheap guys who have some theoretical upside, like in a GPP kind of thing. Um, but, you know, like Singletary, Henry, and Kamara really obviously stand out uh, along with... Um, Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, the problem with Cook is, you know, he's very expensive. Um, and on a slate like this, you know, the one thing that is tough is, you know, how many of these expensive guys can we really get in? Unless we're going to fade Michael Thomas, um, you really have trouble getting in a lot of these expensive guys. You're going to have to make some tough choices. Um, 
so let's go through these games one by one. I'm just going to, you know, and, and one other thing, I think this is a slate where just picking a quarterback, like, hey, this is my quarterback, it's not easy to do. Um, so I think, the you know, the best way to do it is, you know, take the two, three, four quarterbacks you like the most and just start building lineup stacks around those quarterbacks. Um, and, and that's a good way to, on a lineup-by-lineup lineup basis, choose which receivers you're going to emphasize because, again, um, and, and you guys may see this differently than me, obviously, but for me, I've got eight receivers I really want in my lineup. So it's going to be all about mixing and matching those guys over different lineups and sort of letting the quarterback lead the way. Um, so I'm probably going to have... Uh, equal measure exposure to the quarterbacks for these receivers. You know, I'm going to probably have an, uh, maybe a couple extra Josh Allen lineups just because I like his verticality this week. So, so actually, let's start there. Let's let's start in that uh, Buffalo at Houston game. Now, if you guys have been paying attention to me this week, and maybe you have, maybe I haven't, um, I, I'm I'm definitely on the Buffalo side of this. It seems like I'm not alone. Uh, I, as I mentioned uh, earlier this week, I know Scott Barrett's on them, and, and some other people are as well. I think Silva's on them. Um, and, and certainly Houston, they're home, they're favored. There's certainly a possibility Houston wins this game. Uh, I'm just sort of liking the Bills. And uh, the Allen stacks, I think, are really compelling. Uh, now, obviously, there are ways to get creative with Josh Allen. I will probably create one Allen lineup where I go naked with him, no stack, and I tap into some of these other receivers just to sort of create something different. Um, but I think for the most part, I'll be stacking him with Brown and or Beasley. Um, now, some of these stacks, it's really tempting to go double, but uh, I think there is some you know, pretty good room to argue that maybe in some of these situations, just stack the receiver you like the best. Again, depending on how many lineups you're going to create, right? Uh, but one way to get Michael Thomas, you know, and, um, you know, say Lockett or um, DK Metcalf or even David Moore, um, you know, one way to do this would be to take the receiver from the game you like, the, you know, take the receiver from each game that you like the most and just put them in your lineups and just try to go for upside. Now, obviously, you you lose some correlation there. Um but, you know, it's something to consider. <clears throat> it, it, essentially, excuse me, double stacking l limits your ability to tap into the rest of the field. So, um, you know, I do think there are a lot of creative ways to, to go at lineup construction this week. But for me, the, the, the base goal is to be to find the correct mix of these receivers. I think that's going to be uh, the thing that, that really, you know, takes us home, if you will. So um, let's get back to this Buffalo game for a sec. Um, you know, when I'm stacking this game, uh, I, I've sort of made the decision that I'm going to roll uh, with Allen. Uh, I'm going to pay the extra 100 bucks, and I'm going to take the guy who whose matchup I like better. I like Allen against the Texans' D more than Watson against the Bills. It's it's not so much Allen over Watson. It's the matchup. It's the situation. Um, uh, and, and as I mentioned yesterday on the EEI podcast, which has not gone up yet, and I'm not sure if it will. <laughs> um, hopefully it will. But, um, you know, I think... You know, Allen is a guy that we've sort of gotten away from this year because they haven't had him running as much. Obviously, he's getting touchdowns, and he's still a, a very much a running quarterback, but those big yardage games, those monster games that we were getting last year, um, they haven't been happening because they've been limiting how much he runs. Now, 
this is a playoff game. This is for all the marbles. This is the reason you save a player and keep his legs and body fresh over the course of the season. So when you get to these playoff games, you can do what it takes to win. So I think, you know, while the data is going to say Allen is X um, when it comes to the foot points, I think we might want to go back and look at last season and remember what he's capable of and remember that Buffalo is going to do whatever they need to do to win this game. Uh, and one of the biggest assets they have is the fact that this guy's an effing man-child. So um, to me, I'm probably going to have about 30% or more exposure in my GPP lineups to Allen, uh, and I'll be stacking him with at least one of the Bills receivers. I will also do at least one of these like game stacks where I just put in Allen, Singletary, and then maybe Brown and Beasley and go from there. Um, on the other side... Uh, of this game. And I mean, look, it, it's worth mentioning that McKenzie at 3,500 could be a guy to have some exposure to. Uh, and Knox at 2,900, the tight end, is a guy you could have some exposure to. I don't know about how much I'm going to have, but those guys are in the mix. Um, and on the other side, look, there's plenty of interesting choices, but I'm basically fading the Texans with the exception of Nuke. And I don't know how much exposure I'm going to get with Nuke at 7,700 units against a team that does tend to limit big plays. So I love Nuke. I think he will he will perform here, but at 7,700 units, is he going to be optimal? I think there's a good chance he won't be, and I may just roll with that way and go with no exposure, uh, or maybe just like one, one, one Nuke chip just in case um so that's you know that's pretty much where i'm at with that game uh moving down to the titans and the patriots um you know i think some henry exposure is merited i i will probably take a swipe or two that's about it i am probably going to stay away from the titans for the most part buying into the idea that this is going to be an ugly football game now that doesn't you know cover all the angles i think there's certainly a percentage chance here that the titans just come out and like have a great day and if they do it's going to hurt me <laughs> there's there's no way it's not because uh, i'm just not going to have much exposure to guys like Corey davis and tj sharp and aj brown because i like these other matchups way too much i you know belichick is sort of out there he's sort of like you know you're swimming with sharks because he may just come in and take your guy away um, moreover, the Patriots could have a good day and just shut the Titans down. Um, so the Titans receivers have merit. Certainly, if you're doing a lot of lineups, by all means, do, do some Titan exposure uh, and some Patriots exposure as well. I think um, you know Edelman at 65 has some merit. Uh, White at 5700. We know James White is a guy you want a little bit of a taste of in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I'm on Burkhead at 45 because I save money and I see a similar. You know, I think the potential for Burkhead and White is similar. Um, you know, the Patriots can throw a ton to the running backs in this matchup. So, um, you know, going White and Burkhead in equal amounts, that would make some sense. The problem is, for me, my experience so far is that when I go to White, my lineup construction, I don't like where it takes me. Whereas with Burkhead, it gets me to some places I like. Uh, that may not be the best way to make the decision, but it's sort of where I'm at now. Um, so I'm probably going to have like 20 to 30% exposure to Burkhead and then maybe just have one white lineup just so I have a taste. Because, um, look, white obviously has that potential to catch like seven, eight, nine passes in this game and score some touchdowns. It's there. Um, but, you know, by the same token, and again, I, I, I say this a lot. I haven't been saying it a lot recently, but I'm not going to be playing over my head this week. I'm, you know, I'm going to have, you know, probably somewhere around $200 exposure. Nothing, you know, if the whole thing goes belly up, 
doesn't ruin me, um, and I'll just sort of have fun with it. This is a tough week in terms of FOMO, that fear of missing out, because uh, it's tough to get all the stuff you like in all your lineups and get enough exposure unless you're doing a ton of action. So, you know, I would encourage you, you know, the best way to deal with that FOMO, at least for me, the way I have found, is to be predatory, to be aggressive, to, to just not think about what you're leaving behind so much because it's just it's just a negative thought process. Um, so once you decide what you're going to do, lock into it and be aggressive and, you know, be predatory with those players you want exposure to versus hemming and hawing about what you're leaving behind. You know, it's, it's just a negative process and it's a thought process and it's not going to help you. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that the best thing to do is to concentrate on what you like. Uh, I think that mindset will help you with this slate. Um, but that's enough psychology. Um, let's just go through these Patriots. And by the way, I was looking through these Patriot players yesterday, and the one thing that hit me is that maybe finally all of this diversity, even though none of these guys are studs, you know, maybe Edelman is, but he's not 100% healthy, but the strength of the Patriots this week may be in their diversity with, you know, Edelman and White and Sony and Burkhead and, and, and Keel and Sanu and Dorsett and even a guy like Bolden, you know, Jacoby, uh, the two tight ends, Watson and Lacoste, all of these guys are capable of coming in and making a big play or two because the scheme is where the big plays come from. Tap the mic, sorry. Um, but that, you know, I think the Patriots are actually a good bet to perform a lot better this week than they did last week. But trying to figure out which one of these Patriots is going to make the big play may be a fool's errand for DFS. There's just too many of these guys, and I literally think there's like six places the big play can come from. Uh, and that's problematic. So I think fading the Patriots with the exception of, say, Edelman, White, and Burkhead... It makes some sense. Not that these guys aren't big play capable. It's just that it's too thin trying to isolate where it's going to come from. Okay. Um, hopefully that made sense. Let's move down to uh, the Sunday games. And I, I definitely, I think I'm going to probably have about 60, 65% exposure to Sunday with like 30, 35% exposure uh, to Saturday for what it's worth. Um, just because I, you know, I think 66% of my receivers or something like that uh, are on this side of the docket. So, um, you know, Minnesota, New Orleans, obviously this is the, the game that has the highest team total in the slate with the Saints at 28 plus uh, Minnesota just over 21. So this game certainly teases 50 points, which none of the other games do. Um, and certainly if your overall portfolio this week lacks exposure to this game, that's ballsy. And look, it could, I mean, if it hits, you're going to be just dancing the, the proverbial jig. But, you know, the problem is this game does have a lot of points. And if Minnesota hits at all, if Minnesota can score a couple first half touchdowns, this is probably going to be the game we want to be in, unless for some reason the Saints are coming up short. Um, you know, these are non-divisional divisional opponents. Uh, this is a team that the Saints want badly. Let's not kid ourselves. We all remember the game, uh, you know, where, where the Saints came up short, right? So, you know, we, we let's not underestimate the Saints here in terms of the percentage chance that they're not up for this game, right? I mean, they got screwed out of the Super Bowl last year. They had an awful experience against Minnesota the year before. This team's going to be fired up. Um, so I, you know, as much as it might make sense to fade the Saints on some level from a game theory perspective, you know, I just don't see it. So I'm leaning in on the Saints. I'm actually not using a lot of Minnesota. I, I'm just sort of hoping my, 
you know, my, my hope and my dream for Minnesota this week is that they do pretty well, that the touchdowns don't isolate anywhere. Like if Diggs scores and Thielen scores, that wouldn't kill me. Multiple to Diggs or multiple to Thielen or a monster game to Cook is probably going to hurt me. And that's just the way it is, you know. Um, you know, I could protect myself with exposure to those players, but it's going to cost me exposure to guys I want to play more. That's the tough part of this week's slate, at least from my perspective. Uh, on the Saints side, um, you know, I'm sort of fading Breeze just because I'm I'm trying to tap into him from different areas. So um, I'm, tr- I'm, t- I'm I'm stacking Russ and I'm stacking Allen, um, you know, and I may decide to stack a little bit of Breeze and a little bit of Cousins, uh, but I'm definitely not going to be heavy on my Breeze stacks just because I'm going to be getting so much exposure to him through Thomas and through Kamara. Um, so, you know, that's just sort of the way it goes. Now, additionally, I'm definitely tapping into some Cook at 4,900. I got into the reasons for that um, on the podcast I did for, um, you know, playoff pools. Uh, but I really do think that um, Jared Cook has some upside this week. So when I'm fading Thomas, I'm probably going to lean in on Cook and or Traquan. I think both of them at cost are pretty good plays this week. Um, but obviously... You know, for Thomas, Kamara, Cook, and Traquan to all hit, I mean, the Saints would have to have an absolutely mammoth day for that to happen. So, you know, I'm just going to be sort of grabbing exposure to some of the Saints. Like, I'm not going to have any lineups without one of those four players. None. Um, So moving down to uh, Seattle uh, at Philadelphia. Um, And by the way, um, just... When we're talking about defenses on this slate, I'm focused on just paying down and and taking the Titans and the Vikings a lot. If I have extra money, obviously I like the Saints and I like the Patriots, but getting up above 3K is a challenge. Um, So for most of, you know, I think for the most part, my exposure is going to be with Minnesota and the Titans just on cost. And I mean, those are pretty good defenses, right? If I have a couple extra bucks, I might be able to get up to Seattle, who I sort of like in this spot, um, just because I think Philadelphia has been feasting on really bad defenses, and Seattle's just bad. (laughs) Um, And at least they have a good coaching staff. So, um, you know, I do think, you know, while Seattle has a good chance to disappoint, uh, I do think if I'm going to spend a little bit more, that's where I would go. Um, they're the cheapest remaining defense other than the Texans. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe some Texans exposure against Allen um, could make some sense as well. Uh, but for the most part, my, my inclination this week is to just pay down and take the defense that fits with my lineup build. Um, obviously, you guys do what makes sense for you. Um, now, in this uh, Seattle at Eagles game, uh, Russ definitely is a guy I'm going to be building some GPP lineups around. He's also currently my cash quarterback. I don't know if I'm going to get sort of fidgety fingers on that or not, but right now he's in there really just from, it, I like the way that that lineup build worked for cash. Um, and I, I just really like the receivers on the Seattle side. And what's cool about them, uh, as I say in my article that's up on EEI, uh, is that you can sort of take the one that fits with fits your lineup construction. If you've got room, you can go to 7,200 for Lockett. If you don't have that much space, you drop down to DK, you save 1,100 at 61. Uh, But if neither one of them can fit, if your lineup build doesn't work with them, you go all the way down to more at 3,400. Or even you could go with a, a pass 
a pass game hookup at running back with Homer at 5,300. So you've got a lot of cost levels that you can match up with Russ. Uh, I like that. Um, so, you know, those are the guys I want to take off at the Seattle side. I'm not going to take Hollister. I think he's going to get caught. I think all the tight ends are going to get caught up in pass pro because of the Eagles front seven. So I'm really looking at the receivers in this game, Lockett, DK Moore, and again, Homer, if I can't figure something out with those guys. On the Philadelphia side, I don't like Wentz's upside, even though he's cheap. He does open up some lineup possibilities. Um, you know, Ertz, Goddard, we're still waiting on that. If we get good Ertz information... Uh, I think some Ertz exposure will make sense if, if for some reason Ertz is ruled out, which it certainly is possible. Goddard at 52 is a great play. Um, we're in that same situation with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. I like Scott, uh, but if, if Sanders is starting at 6,200, now I'm a little bit sort of up in the air. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm definitely sort of just waiting for more information with Philadelphia. Uh, I'm off Ward this week because he's been priced up now, and I think this is actually one of his tougher matchups that he's faced so far. I'd rather pay down to Robert Davis at 3200 or Josh Perkins at 29 if Ertz isn't playing. Um, so there's a lot of flux still on the Philadelphia side. Uh, there's really nobody on the Philly side right now that I need to play. Uh, the guys I'd like to get in are Goddard and Boston Scott if I feel good about their situations. Now, certainly some Scott exposure in GPPs is merited, even if Sanders is active. Uh, in fact, you could get lucky and because Sanders is active, people will be scared off the backfield in general, and you could maybe take a little bit of exposure with both. Um, you know, I you know if I can only play one, I would play Scott for what it's worth, save a little money, and we know he's healthy. And obviously, you guys know I really like Boston Scott. Um, so that's my that's my general viewpoint um, on the four games. Um, now it's just real quick. Let's just go over my short list of of, of who I'm looking to play. Uh, a lot of this will be uh, doubling up, and uh, we'll get you guys out of here under 30 minutes. Gotta like that. Okay, so starting uh, at the quarterback position, uh, I think Wilson and Allen will be where most of my ownership is this week, and then I will be doing some uh, lineups um, focused on that um, Saints game, and I will probably have some Breeze and some Cousins uh, on those stacks. I'll sort of split them. Um, so like all my all my stacks from the Seattle game will be Wilson. All my stacks from Buffalo are going to be Allen, and then Saints-Minnesota I'll probably split a little bit. Um the running backs, it's a big group. Um, I think a lot of my exposure is going to be on Singletary and Kamara uh, with, uh, you know, some Henry mixed in, a little bit of Cook, uh, and certainly looking at Boston Scott, uh, James White and Burkhead will certainly be part of my plan, and maybe some Travis Homer, I'm not sure. But all those guys are in the mix for me. Uh, tight end is a challenge. Uh, Goddard, I want to play, but I want to know more about Ertz. Hopefully I'll find out more before I have to lock things in. You can look at, you know creating some pivots. You got to work with the salary. You don't want to leave too much on the table, uh, but creating some flexibility where you can go, say, uh, Goddard uh, or Ertz or going all the way down to, say, Joshua Perkins at 2,900. There's a lot of good ways to play that Eagles uh, tight end position, depending on the information we get when we need to commit. Um, so if you're locking in and not doing late swap, that's one thing. If you're creating a way where you can do late swap, I like that, but you know, you got to find a way to do it with the numbers. Um, 
so yeah, the Eagles tight ends definitely could be the solution if I get the information I need. Uh, Dawson Knox is a good way to pay down at 29. Um, Jared Cook in some of my builds would be easy. He'll solve the problem because I'm going away from Thomas. Uh, and you know, certainly the Texans tight ends, if you're in a pinch, uh, Fells, Akins, those guys are in play. They're cheap. Uh, and you know, I wouldn't totally rule out uh, in certain situations, if I had to pay all the way down, uh, Lacoste and Watson. Um, really, you don't expect much. You're probably going to get like one or two catches from each one, but they don't. They both have some touchdown equity. Uh, and, you know, I think Watson's a guy they didn't want to use a ton during the season, but I think the time uh, for both of those guys is now. Um, I, I would be really surprised if either Watson or Lacoste, if one of them didn't make a big play. Uh, and you get to pay all the way down. So, you know, I, I definitely think those guys are, you know, horses for courses kind of options. They're in play. Uh, I don't want Ben Watson or Lacoste in my lineup, but if I'm sitting there with only tight end and a great lineup and I've got just enough to squeeze in a minimum guy, well, you know, that that's not too bad in my opinion. Um, and then the receivers, we've talked about ad nauseum, uh, Thomas, uh, limited exposure to Nuke maybe, Lockett Metcalf, Brown Beasley, uh, and uh, Traquan Smith, um, you know, with Thomas, pivoting away from Thomas, both can work. Uh, and David Moore, I think. I really want at least 30% exposure to Moore just because he's such an amazing value if he hits. Um, and again, lots of other potential wide receivers we could play. Uh, and then mostly I'm paying down for defense. That, that pretty much encapsulates how I'm looking at this slate uh, and it, it, it explains most most of the lineups uh, that I've built so far uh, and it it's definitely gonna um, color most of the lineups that I'm gonna make over the next couple hours um, I did end up doing uh, that FF uh, that FFPC challenge uh, I did I made a couple of the $35 lineups uh, if it helps any of you the basic idea that I that I ended up working around was I built some Holmes teams and I built some Lamar teams um, well one of each actually and now I'm sort of hemming and hawing on what I want to do with my third team uh, but basically I'm using uh, Kittle um, from the NFC and I'm trying to match him up with a quarterback uh, from the AFC and I'm playing the percentages. These top seeds generally are the teams that make it to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm thinking about, I mean the one outlier team I sort of believe in, Other, obviously the Saints uh, are you know, sort of an exception because they're a bi-caliber team that got squeezed out. Um, so, you know, I'm toying with some, you know, maybe a Breeze team, maybe a Russell Wilson team. Uh, but the general idea for me is that I love, I like the 49ers, I like Kittle, uh, and then I'm trying to match him up with a quarterback from the other side. And, and I'm doing total fades on uh, the Eagles and the Texans. I'm not taking players uh, from those teams. Uh, so, I don't know, looked like a fun pool. Uh, the rest of my day, uh, not going to see a whole lot of me. Sorry about that. Um, I've got uh, my, my home league is coming over today. We're going to have a postseason draft. We're going to play a little poker, drink a little whiskey, watch a little football. It's that time of year. Enjoying my workload lightning and, and getting to just sort of enjoy football rather than grind football. Anyway, I hope you guys uh, are doing the same. I hope you're enjoying the lightning, if you will. Uh, and uh, hey, there's nothing better than like wildcard weekend and divisional weekend next week. So uh, definitely got more podcasts coming. Really looking forward to leaning into the rookie stuff. Uh, once again, uh, for those of you who are listening, if you have a chance to rate the podcast, I really appreciate it. And for those of you who are Rotobon regulars, uh, please consider going to rotobon.com and dropping a donation. Uh, and again, thanks uh, to everybody uh, for being on the trip that's really been going on. 
since July. I've had a lot of fun this season. I'm really looking forward uh, to 2020. And uh, with that said, good luck to everybody this week. Giddy up. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to present Muhammad Ali. Everybody stop talking now, I tell you. I told you, all of my critics, I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Sunday, listen, I told you today, I'm still the greatest of all time. Never again defeat me. Never again say that I'm going to be defeated. Never again make me the underdog until I'm about 50 years old. Then you might get me. But I didn't dance. I didn't dance for a reason. I wanted to make him lose all his power. I kept telling him he had no punch. He couldn't hit. He's swinging like a sissy. He's missing. Let me see your box. I hadn't started dancing yet. You can't say my legs are gone. You can't say I was tired. Because what happened? I didn't dance from the second round on. I stayed on the ropes. When I stay on the ropes, you think I'm doing bad. But I want all boxers to put this in the page of boxing. Staying on the ropes is a beautiful thing with a heavyweight when you make him shoot his best shots and you know he's not hitting you. I would have gave George Solomon two rounds of steady punching because after that he was mine.